Hey everyone. Welcome to Crime Hotel. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jamie. Do you have your beverage, Jamie? Girl, yes I do. I have a orange and honey blonde ale. Mmm. That is fucking tasty. Good. Okay, so we're all set. Well, what about you? Are you drinking? I am. Yeah, I don't want to be the only booze hound over here. Okay. It's like a thing. You know that. So today I have got a story for you. It's interesting. It's got some, I wouldn't say that like you get closure at the end because we don't really know why. We never really know why. We can speculate. But this is about the murder of Mary Boyton Borthwick. Ooh. Have you heard of her? Tell me a story, Pa. No, I haven't. So we're going to go back into the old timey days. We're going to go back to the turn of the century, not the 2000s, not right. Y2K, but the- <laughs> this is when I graduated high school. Ooh. Okay. So this is like real old timey. Yeah. This is like early 1900s. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's learn a little bit about Mary before we come to her unfortunate day. So Mary was born in Boone, Iowa. So straight up Midwest girl in June 1869 to her mama Almira Bocock Borthwick. Okay. That's not easy to say. And Marcus Smith Borthwick. So she was the youngest of three girls. She had two older sisters. And Mary was a woman of her time. She was highly educated. And she attended the University of Michigan where she earned not only her bachelor's, but her master's. No shit. Yeah. So she was, she had a graduate degree. Damn. Girl was getting it done. Yeah. She's doing better than I am. My, <laughs> my high school degree. <laughs> so she graduated with the latter with her, with her MA in 1893, like not even 1900. So that, I think that's unusual for that time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but yes, I would assume. So she later began working as a librarian in Port Huron, Michigan. So I don't know if back then you had to have an, a master's to be a librarian, but she was certainly like digging the whole education system. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. At some point, I couldn't figure out exactly when, she met and began a courtship with a man by the name of Edwin Cheney. And in 1899, at the tender old shrew age of 30, they got married. What a spinster. Yeah, like, isn't that old for back then? Yeah. I feel like that was still old back in the 50s. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was that was like, okay, something's wrong with you. We got to get you married off. Yeah, like parents were talking to other parents. and But anyway, so she, she got married at the age of 30 in 1899. Clearly, she put her education first. But she graduated in 1893 and didn't get married until like six years later. Damn. So okay. at some point in there, she met Edwin and they got married. In 1902, their first child was born. They had a son. His name was John. Okay. Soon followed a daughter. They named her Martha in 1905. Interestingly, though, they already had a child before John and Martha came along. Okay. So Mary's eldest sister, Jessie Octavia, love that, Borthwick Pitkin. Ooh, rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, these were not easy names. She died while giving childbirth to a daughter. So she died in 1901 during childbirth. Thankfully, the daughter survived, and they named her Jessie Borthwick Pitkin after her mommy, which is nice. 
And Mary and Edwin, they adopted Jesse. And Jesse, side note, totally not incidental to the story, but Jesse herself, she lived to 1983. No shit. Yeah, she was born in 1901 and she lived to 1983. She's 82 years old. That's crazy. So to paint the picture, by 1905, so turn of the fucking century, Edwin and Mary had three children under the age of five. (laughs) No thanks. Mm -hmm. I think I'll skip that. At some point during the next few years, again, it's cloudy when, but Mary ended up meeting a woman named Catherine at a woman's social club back when social clubs were the pinnacle of high society. Mm. Catherine was married to a man named Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. I do. I know that name. Mm -hmm. He's a famous architect. Really famous architect. Mm Mm-hmm. So this friendship between Catherine and Mary eventually led to Mary's husband, Edwin, hiring Wright to design a home for him, Mary, and their three children in Oak Park, Illinois, which is in the Chicago area. It's like a suburb. Okay. This house was probably considered very large and elaborate for its time, like a fucking mansion. To To put it mildly, Mary's other sister, Elizabeth Belita Borthwick, lived with them in this house in an apartment on the lower level of the home. So it was had like an in-law suite. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Another side note, I just found it interesting. Elizabeth lived to 86 years old. Damn. And from what I can tell, she never married. She was in the education system too. I think she was like a teacher and then a principal, but yeah, she never got married. She just was living her life, having a a good old time. Wow. That's cool that they... I mean, I know the one sister died, but the two other sisters like were really focused on education. And yeah. That wasn't considered like a bad thing. That's awesome. Okay. So at some point after meeting Catherine and becoming friends with her, Mary began an affair with Frank Lloyd Wright, Catherine's Ooh. husband. Okay. And in 1909, the two of them said, bye, peace out to Edwin Catherine and all of their collective children and they hopped up over to Europe to be together what yep so they just peaced out okay don't love that not cool Mm -mm. kind of a dick move yeah if you check out the website for the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation the reason for the hiatus to Europe is told from a different perspective and I found this really interesting so Wright went to Europe with Mary to, quote, escape the weariness and discontent that now governed both his professional and personal life. Okay. That's what they say on his foundation website to explain the hiatus to Europe. When in reality, they were boinking each other and having an affair and they didn't want their husband and wife and children. And so they just went to Europe. I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. Cool. So Wright ended up returning to the U.S. in late 1910, but Mary stayed in Europe. So her time there allowed her not only to escape the public outcry of her relationship with Wright, because back then this was not cool. I mean, it's not cool now, but back then it was even more like, you know, and everybody said everybody's business. But it also gave her the time she needed to solicit a divorce from Edwin using the reason of abandonment which I found very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Like, is it her abandoning him or him abandoning her? She's, 
So I don't know, but I couldn't get clarification on what exactly the reason of abandonment meant, but that was the reason. Huh. Okay. Edwin granted her the divorce she wanted. Wright wasn't so lucky. He wanted a divorce from Catherine, and Catherine refused to grant him a divorce. Really? She was basically like, nope, fuck you. I'm not going to make this easy for you. You want to go running off and gallivanting all over Europe, fucking some other chick? I'm not giving you a divorce. And because of that, they were married during the entirety of Wright's affair with Mary. No shit. Yep. She's like, Frank Lloyd wrong, bitch. <laughs> Had Mary not been murdered, it's anyone's guess if Wright would have ever been able to marry her. Who knows if Catherine would have ever been like, nope. Probably not. I don't know. We're slowly marching towards the fateful day. So now we're in 1910. Wright returns to the States in October of 1910. And when he does, he sweet talks his dear old mom into purchasing land in Spring Green, Wisconsin. That plot that he wanted his mom to purchase for him was located close to the land her family owned. So Spring Green is a township in rural Wisconsin in the southwestern part of the state. So if you were to look at a map, it's in the, it's in the lower left-hand corner of Wisconsin. It's close to the Wisconsin River, and it's a modest drive from the capital of, of Madison. So like maybe 35, 40 minutes. Okay. Spring Green had a population of just over 1,600 residents as of the 2010 census. So you can imagine how small the population was to be in like early 1900s. I actually tried looking for the census, the 1910 census. So Spring Green became a township in 1843. So I was like, okay, so the 1910 census is the closest census to when this murder occurred. I couldn't find anything. So I I wasn't able to determine how many people, at least from publicly available free sources, but I, I didn't have any luck there. So Spring Green, why that's important, is because it's best known for being the home to Taliesin, the house that Wright built in 1911 for Mary on that plot of land that his mommy bought for him so they could continue carrying on their affair. I like how he's like, Mommy, can you help me with my fuck pad? That's so weird. Okay. Interesting. So Mary eventually returned to the States-ish in 1911. And I say ish because she actually went and hung out with her children in Canada for the summer. So she was in Canada for a couple of months to hang with her children. I don't know where or how or like what the logistics of that looked like, but her children, she like, she like abandoned them. So they lived with Edwin full time. So she spent a couple of months in there and she basically was just waiting for the cogs of the court system to churn out her divorce from Edwin, which did end up happening. And they became officially divorced in August of 1911. And then shortly thereafter, she moved in with Wright at Taliesin. Gotcha. Okay. It did not take long for the locals to start calling this the love castle. (laughs) But in three short years, it would be the murder mansion. Ooh, Mm -hmm. shit. Side note, the locals were fucking pissed that Wright and Mary took up residence in Spring Green. They were not happy about this salacious, scandalous affair and these two people being very open about the fact that they're married. Well, Wright was married to someone else. They both had children with other people and they had left their spouses to be together. They were not happy. Some were said to have been upset about the example it set for the children of the town. I mean, I can kind of see that. Like if you're in a a tiny town, you're 
probably pretty private and don't want a lot of attention, especially negative attention. So I can, I can kind of see that, but yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of negative press and this negative press, it cast quite a shadow over Wright's career for several years. And he literally found difficulty. He found it difficult to get work. So because of what he's doing in his personal life, he was unable to actually get any traction back then as an architect. It took him a long time to recover from that. So for about three years, they're living happily in Taliesin. On the afternoon of Saturday, August 15th, 1914, that all comes to an end, a horrific, bloody end. Mm -hmm. Mary and her two children, John and Martha, had just sat down to enjoy lunch on the porch. Several others working for Wright had settled in the dining room. So there were several people in the dining room sitting down to eat lunch. Mary and her two children were on the, the porch. Okay. At this point, I've found there are a couple of different versions of what had actually happened. So I'm going with the details that are backed up by multiple sources. So this is what I believe is, is the most accurate representation of what happened. As Mary was enjoying her soup, a handyman from Barbados, he was an immigrant from Barbados. His name is Julian Carlton. He had been working for Wright for several months, approached Mary from behind while she's just enjoying her soup at lunch and buried a hatchet into the back of her head. Fuck. Took her out with one foul swoop. What the fuck? Now you got John and Martha sitting there and their children. I mean, these poor babies, they're just sitting there like, Imagine the shock. They're trying to process. Uh, and mom? during yeah. that, Holy shit. he mauled the shit out of them with the hatchet and took them down too. Whoa. Okay. Fuck. Okay. So then he next turned his attention to the workers eating in the eating lunch in the dining room. So the dining room had two entrances and a window, it had two doors on either side. Those doors were shut. They were in there. They were enjoying probably from the standpoint, like in, in the, those days, the workers didn't cavort with the family, right? So the family was on the porch having lunch. The workers were separated in the dining room having lunch. Also, can I just say real quick, is it odd that the family was on the porch, but the workers were in the dining room? Or was that like the porch was a fancier spot? Maybe it was fancier. Or cooler, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Taliesin is it's just on a gorgeous piece of property. And so the views had to have been just stunning. So, okay. Makes sense. So Julian Carlton, he turned his attention to the people that were eating lunch in the dining room. What he did was he poured gasoline under the closed dining room door. He lit that gasoline on fire. Then he ran around the house to the other entrance to the dining room and stood by that door and attacked the workers, all of them, with the hatchet as they were trying to escape the flames. So Jesus on one side, Christ. he lights this fire. Smoke starts to happen. Fire starts to happen. He runs around and stands guard at the door, knowing that they're going to go to the other entrance or exit to get out to escape the flames so they don't burn. And he's like hacking at them as they're coming out, as they're coming oh out the door. Oh, my God. In all... 
Julian Carlton murdered seven people that day. Seven people. Jesus. Mary, her two children, John, who was only 12, mm. and Martha, who was such a, she was eight. Oh my God. They were only visiting mm. for the day. Remember, they lived in Canada. They didn't live at Taliesin. They were only there for the day visiting their mom. And she's like, and you don't even get to come in the house. You have to eat on the porch, fuckers. <laughs> Three employees that worked for Wright, David Lindblom, who was their gardener, Emil Brodell, a draftsman, perhaps like an engineer, Thomas Bunker, a workman, or like, I guess, equivalent to a modern day handyman, and Ernest Weston, who was the son of Wright's carpenter, William Weston. Those people, he killed all of them. Oh, my God. There were two others that were there, William Weston, Ernest's dad, the carpenter, and Herbert Fritz. I also saw his name as Thomas Fritz, so I'm wondering if Thomas was his middle name, and sometimes he went by Thomas, sometimes he went by Herbert. Hmm. So Herbert Thomas Fritz. I'm not sure what he was employed to do, irrelevant, but they were the only survivors. They were injured, but they were the only survivors, and they actually helped put out the fire before it destroyed the entire residential wing of the home. So the entire residential wing didn't like go up in flames. It was just they, they were able to contain it to just like the, the porch and the dining room and probably the kitchen and things like that. Okay. Wright wasn't even there. He was actually away from Taliesin that day on business in Chicago because this, this was in Spring Green, Wisconsin, is where Taliesin is. So he was several hours away in Chicago working on the design for Chicago's Midway Gardens. So that's kind of okay. cool to know that. That's pretty cool. Newspapers reported at the time that Mary was, quote, cut about the head and neck, her clothing burned, while her son John had his, quote, head chopped open, badly burned. And her daughter, Martha, was, quote, cut about the head. So he, like, went for the head. That There's something about, like, murders in general are rough, but there's something about, like, an axe or a hatchet that is so brutal, and especially to the fucking head. Like, I just, I can't. It is, like, so, so brutal and so intense. And head wounds bleed like crazy. They bleed like crazy. Yeah. So if you think about like Mm. what this scene must have looked like, it must have been just atrociously horrendous with blood. I mean, it must have been. Imagine the first responders. So Herbert Thomas Fritz, he survived by jumping out a window. I'm not sure how William Weston survived, but they did both survive. But Herbert Fritz was the one that saw Julian Carlton running around the side of the house to the other dining room entrance to attack the others with his hatchet. And that's how we know who did this because okay. Herbert saw Julian. As soon as that fire started, Herbert like climbed, jumped out the window. I'm not sure why everybody else didn't. They were going out the door. Eventually, Carlton, Julian Carlton, the murderer, was found hiding inside the furnace in the basement of the home. What? Yeah, he was inside the furnace in the basement of the home, and he had actually consumed an acid tablet with the intention to die by suicide. Oh, shit. Yep. So he goes and he murders all these people, and then he- This was, like, planned out big Premeditated. Time. Wow. Okay. Unfortunately, his plan to die by suicide did not work, and he was taken to jail. However, the acid damaged his digestive tract so severely- 
that despite medical intervention, he wasn't able to eat or drink anything and died from starvation seven weeks after his reign of terror. Oh, okay. So he had a horrible death. Yeah. I mean, okay. He never, ever disclosed his motive. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Do you want to talk about theories? There are two theories. Yeah. Yeah, because my mind's like, was this, was he like hired to take out all these people or take out her and then any witnesses or like, was he just fucking out of his gourd? Like what, what, what? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So there are two theories as to why he did this. The first one comes from his wife, Gertrude. Side note, I love that name. <laughs> Gertrude said that he had been acting increasingly paranoid in the weeks and days leading up to the murders. Okay. He had started sleeping with a hatchet next to his bed. There had been rumors suggesting that other workers, I don't know if it were the people in the dining room or other workers, but that there were other workers who were using racial slurs against him. Mm, fantastic. Because again, he was an immigrant from Barbados, so probably very dark skin. And so there were rumors right. suggesting that there was some, some racial discrimination going on. Cool. And Mary had recently told Carlton and Gertrude that they needed to find work somewhere else and were no longer allowed to work at Taliesin. So they had just, they had just been fired. Okay. So she worked there too. Yes. Yeah, she was like a housekeeper. Gotcha. Okay. Worked in the kitchen, kept the house, cooked. Oy. Okay. The second theory is that Carlton simply experienced a mental health crisis and snapped. That sounds about right. Yeah. My theory, it was probably a combination of all of that. Yeah. Like it was, I'm sure that he had to have some sort of mental instability. And then you tack on fucking racist being a-holes and possibly losing your job. Yeah. I'm sure that probably triggered something pretty major. Yeah. Well, and they might've had children. Gertrude and Julie and Carlton might've had children. I don't know, but they, he might've been really, and back in the day, the man took care of putting a roof over the head and clothes on the back and food in the tummy. And he might've been just freaking out about like, how am I going to, how am I going to care for my, my kids? How am I going to take care of my family? And the fact that both he and his wife worked there, they're both out of a job. That right. probably was just disastrously monumental for him. Yeah. And I mean, in a small area and an immigrant, like you, your choices are probably pretty limited on finding other employment. Having said all that, trying to understand like what, what his motivation might have been, he fucking murdered seven people, right? Yeah. Like right. that is never, like, no one in their right mind's going to say, um, yeah, that's a good response to this situation. Yeah. That seems, no. seems legit, dude. I, it, it boggles my mind how people can go from normal, quote unquote normal, like normal not murdering people, to I think this is a good idea. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to murder everybody in this house today. How it got to that point is. Also, what a dick move to fuck up lunch like that, huh? Yeah, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Also, soup in August. I I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, let's sit outside. It's 97 degrees and have some hot soup, kids. So here's another shitty, shitty part of this whole story. The community of Spring Green 
they had a fucking field day when they learned of specifically Mary's murder. The press wrote, quote, the tragic ruin of the kingdom of love was, quote, the strongest argument that the avenging angel still flies. Yeah. Like the press was literally like, sorry, bitch. That's what you get for having an affair. You get yeah. your head sliced open with a hatchet. You deserved it. The address like that. Me? Like, what the fuck? Could Come you imagine now. if the press did something like that today? Uh, <sighs> no. And I love how it's like they were like really like honed in on her. Like we we respect Mr. Famous Architect, but Slut Puppy doesn't need to be in our town. Like, yeah. come on. She shouldn't have opened her legs, huh? Yeah, right? Like, it's oh my God, woman. it's always, always... Don't even get me started on that. Yeah, right? Oof. So Jeez. when Wright learned of Mary's murder, he was, he was devastated because he really loved her. And he actually mm-hmm. set out to build, rebuild Taliesin, the part that was destroyed by the fire, in her honor. Aww. He buried her in a simple pine coffin. He put flowers in it with her from the garden that she had planted, and he Mm. had her laid to rest in his family's plot. Mm. Mary was only 45 years old. Damn. She had like... They really did love each other. They did. I mean, despite all the other shittiness. Yeah, but nobody just... I mean, murder is never okay, right? Right, right. Especially two little kids. I know. That's. The, I don't want to say that's the worst part because no life is. Do you know what I mean? All life is precious, but right. fucking a eight years old and twelve years old. Are you kidding me? They were truly innocent, and that's just yeah. always really, really tough. Kids get man. Yeah, that's the tragic murder of Mary Boynton Borthwick, which is crazy. Like you would think at least here in Wisconsin, that we this would be like wives' tale lore, that we would know all of this. I didn't have any idea that this had happened. Well, yeah, I mean, and even like outside of Wisconsin, I, I can't believe, because there's seven victims, there's a famous person involved, and at that time, mass murders like that weren't common. So how in the fuck is this not like a common mm-hmm. story? And and what's the what's the status of the the house like the property? It's a it's a tourist attraction. Yeah, it's still it's still there. And it, what yeah. are you doing later? Let's go. Yeah, I knew you. Yep, I'm in. I want to see that fucking porch and dining room. Yeah, like you guys have any soup? Let's do it. <laughs> let's just sit. we're gonna sit right here and eat some soup. Wow. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go. Let's go for real. Yeah. I want to see it. Get your shit. Grab your fanny pack and let's go. Okay. <laughs> that was a crazy story. Yeah. Thank you Appreciate for your ear holes you for listening. Informing me about this really horrendous tale. You bet. We got through it. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers Clink. to you. Ding. So please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, really, really strong ratings are appreciated. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And we're trying to cover some more just obscure cases that haven't been covered like a thousand times. So if you have a case maybe from your hometown or something that you think is really interesting and want us to cover, send us an email to crimewilltellpod at gmail.com and we'd love to cover it. So Mm -hmm. let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. Bye everyone.
Bye. And until next time, stay safe, stay kind, and stay woke. It's Frank Lloyd fucking right. I didn't realize there was an option between regular cans and tall boys, but I was like, fucking load me up. (laughs) This is the one time when I'm okay with a tall boy. Do you have any tall lady cans? (laughs) Why do you have to be gender specific? You want cake? Fuck yeah, I want some cake. People are fucking rank. That's me.